need a bigger boat. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Life, uh, finds a way. Welcome back to Bob Hoskins Occasionally. This is the podcast where Eric... Hey, how's it going? And myself, we occasionally watch a Bob Hoskins film. And that's not true. This is a spinoff episode of Spielberg Chronologically, where we're watching Spielberg movies in chronological order. And I did not realize that this was executive produced by Kathleen Kennedy and Steven Spielberg until we started watching it. So I guess it works. Oh, Oh, did you just agree to do this just on the strength of Bob Hoskins? You didn't realize this was a Spielberg choice? I don't care. I didn't know that you <laughs> didn't know that already. Like, but oh. yeah, I guess. I, I thought well, you went into this knowing that it was like, you just you were just like, Bob Hoskins, sure. Fine. Um, and well, and I found out that this movie is directed by Robert Zemeckis, which I also didn't realize, and- uh, it was filmed between Back to the Future 1 and 2, which we've reviewed recently. And um, it also has Christopher Lloyd, who was in Back to the Future. All sorts of connections. All sorts yeah. of connections all over the place. Yeah. Robert Zemeckis so kept Christopher Lloyd kind of busy there for a while in the 80s. Yeah. And so it definitely, I think, fits nice, nicely in our little bonus episode series that we do. Uh, so I don't regret adding it to the list good i'm glad i'm glad and uh do you want to you want to give your your history with the film obviously uh never dug too deep on the making of the film but uh, uh, clearly well the, <laughs> the last time i saw it i was probably a kid i don't think i've watched this movie as an adult okay um maybe as a teenager i watched it but um I saw this. I have vivid memories of seeing this in the theater, which I didn't realize until the opening scene started when I'm like, whoa. And like, I'm immediately taken back to, I think it might've even been a dollar theater of me sitting in the theater going really excited for this really cool looking cartoon that had blended like 3d elements with like the floor and stuff was really neat. Like just the opening cartoon really took me back to that um and i think that might have been one of the last times i've seen it i can't remember watching this as an adult holy smokes did you like it as a kid like did it work i remember liking it i remember being like oh that was fun um and i remember the video game and i remember when you get the cab in the video game for the nes and thinking that was so cool because it was like a precursor to gta because you had a city you could drive around in and i just thought that was cool that there was a whole city nowadays you know there's you can fly an airplane all over the world literally in a game um but back then that was my other attachment even though the game was garbage getting a car driving it around i thought was cool but that, that is cool I, i've I never think played that's that about game. all i remember Interesting. So I, uh, I w- I'm, I'm older than you. So I was a teen when this came out. I think I was 14 or 15. Um, so I remember going to the theater with my buddy to see this on opening day. And I remember the people we were in line. It was one of those deals. And, and the people in from the showing in front of us 
came out and we were like, how is it? How is it? And some guy was like, oh, this is awesome. And so I went in with really high expectations. And I remember specifically that first time I watched it, it did not work for me. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I I actually am, I don't like this as much as I want to like it. Like, I enjoyed all the seeing all the cartoon characters and stuff, but, like, I was confused by the story. I was confused by, like, the darkness of it. I I did not understand at all at that point in my life what film noir was, and so, like, I was really thrown off and was like, this isn't as funny as I thought it was going to be, and, oh, wait, that judge guy is a murderer, and he's murdering this cute shoe, and, like, I remember just, like, generally being like, what the hell is this, you know? Um, but then it went on to be this major hit. And you couldn't exist in the world without reading, uh, like newspaper articles and magazine articles about how groundbreaking it was and how difficult it was to make and this and that and the other things. So when it came out on video, um, I gave it another look, and and over time my appreciation for it kind of grew. But I still, I'm going into this viewing. I still was not a hundred percent Roger Rabbit on board. You know, like, I, I really like that opening cartoon. I liked the other shorts that pr- they produced. They produced, like, three shorts, and I watched a couple of those on Disney+, Plus, uh, just to prep for this podcast. And uh, and so, going into this viewing, I was kind of, I'm kind of, I was kind of mixed about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will say that now, being an adult... And knowing about film noir and having watched a lot of film noir movies and, and uh, you know, appreciating films like Chinatown and uh, L.A. Confidential and things like that. Like, I have a much more clear view into what they were going for with this movie. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I was able to appreciate it, like, a lot more on that level. You know, like, something about it still kind of makes me a little uneasy. I, I just can't put my finger on it. Uh, I, I'm not I think... I'm not fully on board with this movie, and I realize now I'm never going to be, but I do appreciate it on like a lot of levels. I think the darkness that you're talking about is probably why I didn't watch it again. Um, mostly because I just, growing up, I just wasn't into dark movies until I happened upon Psycho, um, and then things kind of changed, but... Um, I just, I didn't, it was too, doom is scary, you know, like, um, and I think that might be why I kind of just never really went back to it. Um, it has like so, really adult themes, like yes, really, but there's really jokes adult themes. where there's a prostate joke. There is a there's, prostate joke. Yeah. And when I'm saying adult stuff, I'm not necessarily talking about the sexuality, which I think we yeah. will have to address. I mean, we will have to talk about that some. But I'm thinking more about stuff like gentrification and the disenfranchisement of a lower class population and, uh, gosh, genocide. Uh, like, yeah. Like, it's all seen through this lens of cartoons, but, like, there's some, some serious stuff going on in this movie. Um, and then, of course, on top of that, then you layer this the sleaze layer of murder and sex and so on. And it just gives the whole movie kind of this gritty, almost grimy 
feel to it. You know, the story is not pleasant. It's not funny. Uh, it's funny on some levels because it involves cartoons, you know, and, and so like to take a story like this and put these cartoons in it uh, makes it kind of like. It was just a weird. They did a weird thing, man. Like it's amazing that this movie was such a hit because it was a weird damn thing that they did. Uh, very, very strange. Yeah. Um. So, the big, the whole thing. This is honestly one thing I realized watching. This is a special effects movie. At the end of the day, it the reason it's where it is and as big as it is, and people want to see it in the first place is for the special effect of having live action crossover with cartoons for an entire film. So I got to say, all of that still holds up. Oh, like I didn't, man, does it ever. Yeah. And, and for a movie that came out in 88, to have all of the cartoon mixing with human elements, because it is the whole movie, to have all of it hold up, is crazy that it's that well done it is especially when you realize they did it by hand like there there's no computer funkiness going on in this movie like they did this pre-computer so all of the drawing all of the shading like it's the shading that really sells this movie like like if you look at a still i saw a still today of jessica rabbit standing next to bob hoskins and the light was coming down on hoskins face and then you look at jessica and she's got the same light coming down on her and like like just the artistry that went into every single frame of this animation and then like when you think about oh they're interacting with human objects They're act- interacting with real world objects. So then you add in like the aspect of all these puppeteers, like moving the objects around. Oh, this frying pan has to fly. Oh, there's the cigar moving around and these weasels are holding real guns, you know? And, and so you have to have all that stuff in place. And then you think of the level where like this all had to be pre thought out enough that you've got a final edit of the movie before you even go into the animation stage. So like, it's not like you can make the movie and then edit it down to put it together. You've got to edit it first and then make it. So like all right. the storyboarding had to be done and like just on a technical level, unbelievable, unbelievable how it all fits together. Like I noticed stuff this time that I hadn't really picked up on before because it's just so slick, but like Roger plops down in a chair and dust comes up. Uh, Yosemite Sam when his biscuits are burning my biscuits are burning and he sits down in the puddle and like real steam and bubbles yeah, pop up from, awesome. from where his butt is like well, things, I, the things one like I remember is like, in the oh rats God. or the the weasels are in the apartment and they splash Hoskins with the water I just those little things where the you know the real water splashes Hoskins um, yeah all of that from a a technical and visual level, the film really holds up to a degree I did not expect. Yeah, the, the shot where Roger uh, first makes his escape when he realizes, like, oh, I'm going to get free from murder, and he runs out the window and he leaves the Roger-shaped, like, thing in the blinds and then in the class. Like, I rewound it a couple times. Like, how did they do that? Like, because <laughs> it's not there and then it's there, you know? Yeah. And, and really, it's just stunningly good effects work like what well beyond what we were seeing in back to the future 
at this time. You know, like Back to the oh, Future's effects are yeah. good, but this movie is like they could put this out today and people would be like, "Wow." You know, like it, it's really good. Well above like Space Jam and Cool oh, World God. and like some of those others that, that I was going to bring up Cool World. I haven't seen it in ages. So I don't really remember anything about it other than Kim Basinger is in that? Yeah, is that right? And, yeah, and Brad Pitt. I think Kim Basinger is like animated. I haven't yeah, seen it since the theater, so like it's, yeah. it's been a long time for me as and well. And that was another one of the big ones, and then Space Jam. Um, but this, to me, I think I, I think Space Jam visually still, it's been a while since I've seen it, it still kind of holds up. Um, it's good. It's just not a great it's, movie. But, it's good, but it's not as good. Like there's not right. as much interaction with like real world stuff. You know, and like, he's just on a green screen the whole time. He's and on I a green screen when he goes. What they do here is more difficult. Yeah, um, because they can just change the lighting on him anyway. But um, we started on that new Space Jam. We didn't do. A oh boy, one of the worst films that. I've ever watched. Really, um, really, like top five bad films I've ever seen. It's real, movie. real, real bad. Unforgettable. Um, and I hate Michael Jordan, and I wanted it to be better so I could be like, boom. But no, it's trash. It's trash. Um. It's it's real bad. Uh, so let's talk about Bobby Hoskins. Um, really, the reason we're here because we watched Bob Hoskins last week on Hook, and we both really appreciated his performance. And I think he is killer here too. He's really enjoyable to watch in this noir sort of. Uh, you know, he's the straight man to Roger Rabbit, and I, I think his performance is really fun to watch. Yeah, it's a totally different performance from what he gave in Hook. And, and I, I, I'm with you. Like, I'm starting to think we might have to, like, we might, we not on this podcast, but in life, I might have to dig more into Pop, Bob Hoskins' backlog, you know? Like, I, I, I'm guessing he was probably a stage guy and because it seems like he wasn't hitting these big movie roles until he was probably, what, late 30s, early 40s? Like, yeah. like best guess, like, that's how old he was when he was making these things. Um, yeah, and man, like, just nails the tone of this thing. Like, totally believable as this private eye in the 40s, but his interactions with the tunes are, like, right on point as well. Like, his exasperation is believable, and, uh, you know, like, his, his turning point when he does give the weird, funny dance number, you know, to save Roger. That's a tough thing to pull off what it he is. did at the end um and i i think he pulled it off as well as it could be pulled off i still was like a, a little eye rolly but it's a little cringe but i mean it was it's a bit in, of the cringe side yeah it's in line with the tone of the movie you know um and i, I do like that whole sequence but you know like the whole running joke with the weasels you know you keep laughing, you're going to laugh yourself to death. And, you know, the yeah. big payoff at the end um, is really cool. But, yeah, I think I think Hoskins really, really nails it. Um, and, you know, there were some other aspects of this movie that I just kind of never really – I didn't remember. Like, I didn't remember Dolores at all. Like, I didn't even remember yeah, that she was in this movie. Yeah, and she's a great character. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she's kind of like the third, the third member of the little trio – of Hoskins and his brother, uh, you know, his, Eddie, what's his name? Eddie Valiant. And so like Mr. Valiant. Eddie is Bob Hoskins. Yeah. 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 So the brother yeah. and then Dolores. And it seems like those three had kind of like paled around together before, 
uh, before Eddie's brother was killed by a tune. Um, and so she's like a major, a major piece of this film because she's his touch point to his happier past and his, you know, the time when he used to work happily with the tunes, uh, and, and work to defend them because apparently they get into all sorts of legal trouble. I don't know. Some of those headlines, like goofy, goofy espionage and yeah, (laughs) all this other stuff. Uh, so, so yeah, I thought it was, it was kind of interesting to see some of this stuff that I hadn't really like remembered or picked up on. Um, because like, I mean, it's probably been 20 years since I watched this thing. Yeah. You know, like it, it, I was an adult, but it was a long time ago. It was also really interesting to watch it in, uh, in 4k. Like I think most of my experience since the one time I saw it in the theater, most of my experience has been on like low res VHS on an old right. standard TV, which tube. helps. Um, so to see it kind of like blown up and super sharp, you know, you pick up on details that you can't see on a VHS tape, you know, like this time I noticed when they're flipping through, uh, when he's got the patty cake pictures of Jessica, um, and like not the sequence where Roger is flipping through them and they're kind of like animating themselves, but when they're just kind of like laying around on the desk and stuff, you can look at them and you can see like, Oh, that's not the same design that they use in the movie. Like they must've like not had her design finalized when they printed out these shots for the live action point where they were filming yeah. it because it's a completely different looking character, you know, like, uh, it's a little things like that, that you never would be able to see on a VHS tape just because the resolution is so low. But when you see them, you know, now it's like, Oh, look at all this crap that, you know, all this artistry that's gone into this movie that we missed all this time yeah. because we were watching it on VHS, you know? Uh, one thing that I think the the one of the moments that makes this movie special, and when I was watching, I'm like, wow, like how did they get this to happen? Was when they go to a club and there's like a dueling piano scene between Daffy and Donald Duck, which to me I was like, oh wow, like Disney and WB kind of they have somehow got Disney to allow their beloved characters, including their most beloved characters to be in this dark noir semi adult film. Uh, like there's the scene where he's falling and bugs and Mickey are on the same screen. And that to me was like, Oh my gosh, like poof, my brain kind of burst out the side because as a kid, you're like, wow, that's cool. But as an adult knowing like how Disney protects their IP and just the fact that they got them in this movie was kind of cool in its own way. Like just seeing them on the screen and they did the right characters. They did bugs. Who's the big one, Mickey. And then Donald and Daffy are up on each, you know, facing each other. I loved that so much just because of the work it must have taken to happen. Yeah. Because I don't think we'd see that today. You know? No, no. I read there's, there's ruckus. There's ruckus like behind the scenes ruckus about this. So this is a, this is a Disney produced film. They went to Warner brothers and they asked for permission to use the Looney tunes. Uh, Warner brothers gave permission. Chuck Jones was still alive. One of the main Looney tunes guys. And he said, I want you to use the modern, versions of Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny 
Disney, on the other hand, was like, nah, we want to make them the way they were in the 1940s, right? But to appease Chuck Jones, they animated that scene twice. They did it once with the modern version and once with the old-timey version. They sent Warner Brothers, the one with the modern version, for approval. They approved it. And then Disney was just like, ha-ha, and used the one with the 1940s. Amazing. So, so, which I, I think was the appropriate choice. Like, it, it's better I, that there was the 1940s yes. version because it's a 1940s movie. So Chuck I Jones, agree. in this case, I think was wrong. But... I prefer that Daffy to modern Daffy to me. From, like I like goofy slapstick Daffy. Yeah, me too. From woohoo, woohoo. From from what I understand though, uh Warner Brothers didn't charge Disney. Disney didn't pay anything to use these Amazing. characters, right? They were given permission, a gentleman's agreement, right? So then Space Jam time Warner Brothers comes to Disney and says, can we use one of your characters for one shot in our movie since we loaned you our characters for Roger Rabbit? And Disney was like, nah, fuck you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so Warner Brothers ever since then has been like real heated about this whole situation and, and it was and like that's this, fair this will never happen again you are yeah. never going to do this again. and so like that was for sure a once in a lifetime thing like and it will never happen again uh unless you know somebody else comes into power at warner brothers you know these, well, once these, disney buys wb exactly these things change yeah. but uh for a while you know there was there was some real uh acrimony between the two parties over how this all worked out. That's a great story. Which is I, a I would bummer like because to see oh, the I, oh, alternate, the alternate? Shots. Oh, I know. Me too. They're probably destroyed. But uh, yeah, like, man, like, how cool would that be? What an interesting piece of, like, film history uh, to be able to check that out. That would be so neat. Okay. So now I'm going to get to, uh, that's a lot of positives. I guess we could talk about Christopher Lloyd before we get to the negatives. Cause yeah, uh, Christopher Lloyd's amazing. He's just so good at this villain to me is one of the best. He is so scary. The teeth, the glasses, the dark cloak and the hat and just Christopher Lloyd is frightening. And I love him christopher lloyd is why i probably wouldn't let my six-year-old watch this movie yet like uh, everything else i don't care about the 50-year-old lust and the three-year-old dinky like none of that like that all just go right over his head right <laughs> like it would yeah be, christopher lloyd would scare the shit out of my kid when those eyes pop at the end and that voice comes out of him hey uh no way. Absolutely not. Yeah. It would be game uh, over. Game over nightmares. You know, like his performance is fantastic. And I know that's not his real voice. Like somebody else was doing the voice at the end. But uh, just the menace. I just thought they pitched it up. I don't It could be. Could be. Yeah. But the menace that comes out of him and the way he just like so. He's so evil when he puts that shoe in the dip and it's animated so well where you're just like oh that poor thing it's like he's taking yeah it. it's like he's drowning a it's kitten, like a puppy you know yeah. <laughs> he's a so what a terrible person evil and like his entire plan you know to just basically just destroy toontown kill all the tunes like just we don't even care we're rolling in there with this thing and 
you know, whatever it hits, it hits, you know, um, mm-hmm. it's so amazingly evil. Uh, like, yeah, he's fantastic. It's fantastic. Yeah. And the reveal of him being attuned to me is one of the best moments in the movie. He gets rolled over by a steamroller and it's awesome. He's screaming ah, ah, and you're like, oh, it's great. But then his body kind of is flat and his arms and his legs kind of move up and it's just a cool practical effect and you're like and he's always oh, a tune loved it yeah i loved that so much fantastic i can't i can't remember not knowing that he was a tune like i can't remember yeah. it's like the first time i saw it like what my reaction was uh but i imagine it was pretty like oh my god this bastard like what happened to this tune to make him so freaking evil, you know, like, of course, there are two bad guys like they don't really touch on that too much. You know, there yeah. are there are. But they're fun bad guys. Wiley never wins. You know, I was thinking more like Sammy Sam's in there. Maleficent, you know, like right. like those style of bad guys, you know, like the plotting schemers uh, of the early Disney movies, the, the, the witch from Snow White. You know, there are there are bad tunes uh but yeah like i always considered like something happened to this guy like something something happened that made him into this like genocidal maniac murderer you know he's not bad he's just drawn that way shit yeah (laughs) speaking of that jessica rabbit jessica rabbit one of the the lust of many uh you know men and children and (laughs) after watching this film and i watched it this time i'm like She's not that hot. Like, I just kind of, at some point in my brain was like, just doesn't appeal to me. <laughs> like, I remember it be like, Jessica Rabbit's always been the sort of super hot cartoon. And now I'm like, eh. <laughs> yeah, I've never, like, I, I mean, we might as well just talk about it. I've never understood, like, stuff like hente and, like, like, like the sexualization of cartoons or okay. or like uh i don't know even like those uh pinup girls that they would put on the sides of uh fighter right. fighter planes back in the for- in world war 2 like that that sort of thing like i've never really that that's just never something that kind of like clicked with me you know um so i don't think i ever was like ooh just rabbit you know like yeah like other than wow, the animation on that dress is really cool, you know, yeah. and, and the, the design, and, and then, like, kind of pondering some of the issues that she presents, like, even as a kid, and we'll get to those when, when we get to the questions, but, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I never had that Jessica Rabbit lust that I think so many of our contemporaries probably had, uh, interesting. Yeah. Um, just to follow up, uh, Corey Burton does the voice of high pitched doom. Okay. So okay. there was another voice. Now I'm looking, I can't remember who is the voice of Jessica rabbit. Kathleen Turner did the Kathleen speaking Turner. I knew voice. It was someone. Yeah. And then somebody else sang the song. Yeah. Um, I think the character is great. I also was surprised that the uh, term you like to use is the agency she has. She is by no means um, well, until the very end, it's like a damsel in distress. She very much takes things into her own hands. Oh, she super uh, does. She's running around yeah. behind the scenes the entire movie. And that's what makes her such a great, great 
femme fatale because you never know what her motivations are. You're kind of like, did she do this killing? Like, is she framing Roger? You know, uh, and again, I can't remember not knowing, but I imagine seeing right. this first this movie for the first time, you would probably think through a lot of the movie that Jessica was actually involved or behind it. You know, like she's so compromised, you know, she's caught having, I guess, a kind of an affair, you know, enough so that Roger is distraught <laughs> yeah. by it, you know, and she's always showing up kind of like slinking around in the alleys and, you know, she's got a gun and even after she saves Eddie, she's still like maybe a little suspicious and, and uh, yeah, like really cool character, you know, like, yeah. like interesting and well done and, and like really uh, written in a way that kind of keeps the audience on their toes as to whether or not, you know, like, because she could have very well gone the way of uh, Elsa in uh, The Last Crusade. You know, like she could have very easily gone that way where she was, you know, like actually a bad guy. I think that would have been a cool turn, too. Like it would have. But uh, but she wouldn't team up with Doom is the problem. Like, yeah, Doom's M.O. and hers and their goals are totally different. So but her ended up being a bad guy kind of would still work for me a bit. So I guess they they wrote a prequel to this uh, with Jessica's backstory. Yeah. Yeah, it took place in the war in World War Two and Jessica was kidnapped by the Nazis and was being forced to do Nazi propaganda films. And Roger This rings and, a bell. Roger and a brigade of uh of I don't know, a platoon of tunes, maybe? Yeah. Go, they go and save her from the Nazis. And they had the thing ready to roll and Spielberg had just finished Schindler's list and was like, I can't I can't do funny Nazis right now. And just kind of shut the whole thing down. But uh, yeah, so I thought I'd just a Jessica note, a side historic, interesting Jessica note. Yeah. Okay. So, Roger. Are you about Roger to, Rabbit? Are you about huh? to talk about how Roger's not an appealing character? <laughs> Roger nearly derails all the positives we just said. We spent the last 29 minutes. Talking about all the things we love, Hoskins and Christopher Lloyd and the animation and Jessica Rabbit, all of these positives are nearly thrown away. And then actually, in my opinion, are kind of Roger pretty much ruins the experience for me. He is so over the top, which I get, but he's so unfunny and unappealingly over the top. And frustratingly getting himself in trouble, like they're in the theater hiding and he's just yelling at the top of his lungs. And it just makes me want to put him in dip. Um, <laughs> I I cannot stand Roger Rabbit. I hate his guts. And he derails what otherwise is a, an amazing film. I think that's part of part of why the movie still doesn't work for me because I feel the same about Roger. I really don't like Roger Rabbit. He falls under that. I think we've talked about it on the podcast before the cable guy theorem where like a character is so annoying that it makes me hate the movie. Like what about Bob is another one. The character is so irritating. It's, it's the point of those movies, but it's too much for me. And I end up like not being able to watch the movie and, and, Roger kind of falls under that spectrum, maybe to a lesser degree, but like he is awful. He is just awful. Um, 
And, you know, it's interesting because Roger works within the confines of those shorts. Like when you watch the shorts, they're funny. Like it, it is really, but it's, yeah. it's just because they're beating the shit out of Roger the entire time. Like that's the whole point of those shorts is they're like dropping logs on his head and setting them on fire. And at one point he gets like, I watched the, uh, the one that takes place in the camp. He gets put through like a mesh net and like turned into like a hundred little miniature Rogers. Uh, <laughs> and I don't know. It's, 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 he's funny in that context in the context of this movie he is just irritating as hell like in and he almost has to be for the dynamic between him and eddie to work yeah um because eddie's exasperation feels very very real because the audience feels it too it's like yes. oh my god <laughs> kill that thing make it stop yeah. making noise you know like it's just like a honking horn in your ear for two hours <laughs> for like two hours <laughs> please i i i don't i don't i don't want this and it's it's more exaggerated than daffy like even crazy goofy daffy it's more exaggerated than bugs it's this I I I hate it. I and I I'm watching the movie and I'm like, boy, when he's on screen, this sucks. Like you know, there's the scene where uh, the the weasels are raiding Bob Hoskins' office and Roger is underwater the whole time. That was so peace and quiet. That was great. Like you know, um, and I just don't want this. He's too much. He he's too damn he much. Is I mean like okay so. If we're talking in terms of like Looney Tunes, like Bugs is cool, right? Like yes. Bugs is cool and he's tricksy, you know? And Daffy, while he has that like undercurrent of rage and and Looney The newer Daffy, yeah. He also is uh smart, you know, like Daffy is smart and kinda conniving. Um same thing with with like Mickey is well, Mickey's kind of just boring. Mickey's you know? just vanilla ice cream. Yeah, I don't like, like Mickey. Yeah, Mickey is not a very interesting cartoon character. But Donald, you know, Donald is rage slowly rage building, machine. slowly building and simmering until he just explodes in in rage. Donald's uh, the best, and that's Don, yeah. Donald is the best. Donald and Daffy are my favorites. Uh, yeah, for similar reasons. Um, but like none of them are just sheer lunacy all the time, you know, like in that's that's what Roger is. He's just sheer over the top lunacy all the time. And, and it doesn't stop even when he's shown pictures of the inf- infidelity of R- Jessica. His anger and mourning is so crazy and over the top. It's just like, shut up. And like you said, he runs out the window and there's no moment where Roger just is like there when Doom is in the bar and he's looking for Roger before he even does the shave and a haircut. I'm like, he's going to give himself away because Roger is too stupid to shut the fuck up. Yeah, it's, and it's against I, his nature to be that like the not shaving haircut and him not being able to control himself. I'm kind of OK with. Right. But I felt like he was going to give himself away anyway. And like when they're hiding in the theater and he's whooping and yelling at the screen, I'm like, just kill him. Just kill him. Like, <laughs> is he worth saving? That's good. Yeah, you can still stop Doom and kill Roger. And you're, oh, I make people laugh. People love me because I make them laugh. No, 
even when he's in the bar making everyone laugh, I'm like, oh, why are you laughing? People, like people in the 40s were himself. stupid. Yes. Oh, and like we had Bugs Bunny and Daffy and Donald and we had all these great characters at this point. Roger does not work in the 40s either. No, no, Roger. I can't. I can't with Roger. I, I, I'm totally on board with you. Like I, I can see why the character never, you know, they like they did make those shorts trying to kind of like bring him out to the forefront as like a leading Disney character, um, and he never was able to cross over. Like he's not part of that Disney stable, you know, like your Mickey, Minnie, Goofy, Pluto, Donald, you know, like. And if you say Roger Rabbit, everyone knows who you're talking about. And nobody wants to see anything else. Yeah, it, he doesn't like. How fit many in. people do you run into who don't know who Roger Rabbit is? Yeah, I was uh, I was at uh, Disneyland a couple years ago. Um, had had a solo adult day at Disneyland. Long story, but I was by myself and I was just riding the rides I was interested in. And mm-hmm. I just came across that Roger Rabbit ride. I was like, oh no, I don't, I don't want to wait in line for ten minutes of Roger hooting in my ear. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, Roger's Roger's not great. And it's interesting because like he's the main character of this movie. Right. He's the 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 titular character and nobody else in the movie is irritating the way that Roger is. Um and you know, like I said, I can see why they wrote him the way they did. I can see why they performed him the way that he did. But the bottom line is that while the movie is considered a classic and many people love it, Roger just doesn't work. Like, yeah, it's a problem. They could have pulled back on that a bit. Just a bit. Uh, it's something to make him humaner, more human to us. Like, I mean, even though he's a cartoon, Jessica has motivations and she's a human at least, right? Her motivations make sense and she's somewhat normal. Uh, the Betty Boop sequence, just briefly Betty Boop is in the film and, you know, nobody watches me anymore because it's gone to color and you kind of, there's a little, oh, I feel sorry for Betty Boop, you know, like just something to tamp, you know, bring this in just a little bit and, but they don't and, and it's awful. Yeah. Like all the tunes are, are capable of chaos. They're, they're capable of chaos moments like, like Tweety. You know, when, when Hoskins is like, oh, hey, Tweety. And Tweety starts, oh, starts doing the pities, one pity, two pities, and pulling his fingers off the flagpole. You know, like they're capable of doing these things that are not uh, what humans would expect them to do and kind of just being chaotic. But Roger is all chaos all the time. Like you're like you said, he just doesn't stop. He is just this yeah. roiling, boiling chaos agent. And uh yeah, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. And when he when Bob Hoskins goes to Toontown, it's kind of that too. It's just like everything all at once. Like there's not he doesn't spend a ton of time in Toontown, but it it feels the same thing. It's like everything at the wall just go. And it kind of was like you know, bashing the senses a bit. It is pretty in your face. Yeah. And it's yeah. interesting because some of these tunes, like, they're capable of existing in the real world. They have real jobs. Jessica. Jessica performs at a nightclub. Uh, the ethics of that aside, you know, like, she has a real world job. The bouncer at the nightclub, the big big guy who gets all the monkey jokes, you know, like, he's out there in the real world doing a real world 
job. So you have to think like around at least the LA area, there's probably like a high concentration of tunes working in like right. service jobs and stuff. And then the further out you get from LA, they become more and more rare. So like on the East coast, you might occasionally see a tune and be like, Oh, it's a tune, you know, but like my the further theory is that you in, go, there's more you on know? the East. It's puppets. Nice. Right? Because that's where you have, Sesame Street. you know, Sesame street. Right. And all the Jim Henson stuff. So there's a puppet town. Very cool. You know, very cool. I would watch that movie. Oh, yeah. And, oh, there's plenty of them for you to watch. <laughs> what, puppet movies? Yeah, Muppet movie. Muppet movie. You know, the Muppets. Oh, like, well, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> I guess you got me. <laughs> okay. So I we've shat all over him. I mean, so the whole thing, like you said, the plot is actually kind of complex. And I think... As a kid, I didn't get it, and I think I was just mesmerized by the colors. Um, and I still don't know that I get it completely. Uh, Christopher Lloyd owns a company that is buying up property. To shut it... Okay, so he buys the red car to shut it down because it's the public transportation system. And he's buying up chunks of property so that he can tear it down and put in a highway. In L.A., which nobody had ever heard of before, like a freeway, I think he's, I don't remember what they're calling it, expressway, whatever. Uh, so, like, that's his big motivation. So, he, Which is weird. He kills he kills Acme um, so he can get his hands on the will, which leaves the Toontown to the tune, so he can destroy the will so that he can have Toontown and tear it down and make the expressway. Interestingly enough, without the Toontown part, this is really what happened in L.A., uh, they they bought and shut down the red car, which was a real thing. They seized neighborhoods from around L.A., threw people out on their asses, and put in the freeway. Uh, there are, uh, Interesting. I read seven separate freeways that are around L.A., and that's how they got there. Um, so, so based on a true story, the Roger Rabbit, in a weird, weird way. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. Um. Yeah, and like so, I don't know why Judge Doom wants a highway. Why does he want a highway? Well, that's just it. Like, he's like, he's not going to charge tolls for the highway. So where's the profit for him in the highway? Other than maybe he has like construction companies under his umbrella. So that piece of the puzzle is not necessarily yeah. clear. Like how he's going to profit from this. Like it seems like buying the red car to shut it down. That seems like a not profitable move unless he stands to really make a lot of money from the building of the highway. And then there's also the side effect of getting rid of the tunes whom he clearly hates, you know. Yeah, that makes the fact that he just hates tunes and he wants to blow them off the face of the earth. I'm fine with that's enough of a motivation for me because he's evil and crazy. But the 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 f expressway feels like such a practical weird motivation for the character <laughs> i'm gonna build an expressway okay like I don't <laughs> like oh, that's that's the weirdest motivation for a movie about cartoons living with humans <laughs> it really is like that it, it kind of implies that there's all sorts of other political stuff going on behind the scenes and all we're really catching is the like the story from the perspective of these tunes and Eddie, who are kind of like caught up in the peripherals of this whole thing. But who knows what else those weasels have going on on the side? Who knows like what sort of the weasels deals, uh, working yeah. for him? Like I get that they're evil, but they're still tunes. They're still 
they are more toonish than uh, you know they're kind of just i don't understand why they're working for him well, i mean he's probably paying them but that leads to lots of questions like what do tunes need money for do they pay rent in Toontown? Do they live outside of Toontown? If so, do they have to pay rent? Do Toons have to eat? Can Toons just turn themselves off for a while, or do they go to well, sleep don't somewhere? Well, die, so I don't think they have to eat. It's like the only way to kill a Toon is dip. Do they get thinner if they don't eat? Like, no, probably not. I have a lot. <laughs> I have a lot of questions about the nature of Toons. You know, like Roger. Roger can drink, and it has an effect on him. Right. So does Roger eat also, you know, like do the bugs does do the tunes poop? You know, bugs eats. Right. Bugs eats. Right. Uh, which implies that they poop. Uh, does Toontown <laughs> have a sewage system? Like, is there an electrical well, grid going into Toontown? Uh, like, how does Toontown function? Is Toontown. Did somebody build it? Is it like a dimensional rift? Like, what the hell is that? Like, what? What is that? What? <laughs> yeah. What is that craziness over there? You know, like, how did that get there? Like, did they build it? Did the tunes just build it? And then that leads to like, where do tunes come from? Like, are they created? Are they born? Do we do we draw them and just put them off in Toontown? Like, are they aliens? I mean, because they... Jessica says she's drawn right. that way. She understands that she is a creation of humans. Right. So um, my guess is that it's the latter, that we create them and something happens. And being that it's Hollywood, that's where most of the cartoons are created. And then they just kind of ship them to live off there, maybe. I don't, right. You know? So is Toontown, like, like, you get the impression that the tunes are second-class citizens, even though some of them are, like, movie stars. They're, sec- yeah. they're second class citizens. And so is Toontown like this ghetto? Like, is that essentially what it is where they are kind of relegated to? Like they zoned this area as Toontown and that's where you tunes go. You know, like, is it. uh, Yeah. Is it like a tune camp? Like <laughs> that that is like loony and crazy know. and cheerful and sunny and there's songs going on there all the time. But I hate Toontown. I would, I would leave immediately. It's just too much all at once. It's like you, the, as soon as you get there, the trees are singing at you. You gotta go. Well, you I have to wonder what like what the other corners of Toontowns are like because there's an alley in Toontown that they're in briefly, and it's kind of more cl- yeah. quiet. So like, are there basements in Toontown? Like, what's what's the inside of Tweety's place look like on a normal day? Like, Granny's in there baking a pie with Sylvester, and yeah. Tweety's just hanging out in his cage. And, you know, and Sylvester's creeping around. But you have to imagine that's not going on constantly. There's probably some moments of peace. So what are the interiors like on some of these Toontown buildings? Yeah. You know, like there are mouse holes that mice live in. And and so that also implies like infrastructure and uh, foundations and insulation and <laughs> I don't know. I, got a lot I don't of, want to explore I got a lot, these things. I got a lot of questions about Toontown. <laughs> I, I'm, I'll leave you to research that in your own Do time. Do Toons get to vote? That is a good question. Like they are created. If if we're saying they're created by people, I I wouldn't surprise me if they don't. Yeah, like you know, 
Oh boy, we could get deep tunes, into some weeds here. Do tunes get paid in dollars? Right, because then that would imply that they have a bank account, and if they have a bank account, do they have social security numbers? Well, they are say they paying taxes. The one point, there's the one point where Dumbo is paid in peanuts. Dumbo is paid in peanuts. They literally, you look, you just pay him in peanuts. So, I, I think there might be some sort of um, and what's the parallel there to other social topics i'm not ready to get into right now but yes um huh, yeah so if we get to the end uh obviously doom is a tune and it's awesome reveal and christopher lloyd is awesome uh but they he gets blasted by dip he's dead the walls open up and toontown is i guess opened up and all the tunes go away I don't like this ending. I didn't care for it. I didn't like Porky going, nothing to see here. That's all, folks. Oh, I like that. I didn't want that. Just stop. At this, I think at this point in the film, I was done. Yeah. And I'm like, just end, okay? Just go away. I don't want any more of this. One thing about that Porky thing is that's when I realized, like, all of these Warner Brothers characters sound right. Like Porky's because Mel Blanc because Mel Blanc <laughs> he he did all the voices he did all the voices which which yeah. uh, I had to look up afterwards but I was like man like it makes me realize how much I miss his his characters like just yeah super genius uh, of a performer in in like how none of them ever sounded right again you know like mm-hmm. some of them get kind of close they get close but none of them sound like perfect anymore you know and so hearing them in this just made me realize like ah, oh, they do sound kind of not right in in space jam and they sound not right in like the current hbo looney tunes which i still say are awesome um and so like i don't know that that was the one thing about that porky appearance there um which then is capped with tinkerbell uh doing her little tink thing there um yeah, I mean, like the tunes end up owning Toontown, which is okay. Um, it makes you wonder, like, without human supervision, whether or not they're going to be able to maintain it, or whether it's just going to be like <laughs> it's just going to be like a nuclear fallout site. You know, <laughs> like that well, used to be to- see that black there. hole and in the ground the over the day, there that used to be Toontown. Mickey is reasonable and grounded, and I think you make Mickey the mayor because I think. He's probably the only one smart enough to do it, <laughs> to hold things down. Everyone else is off their rocker. Um, and I just was, no, don't do that. Just let Mickey run the place and we'll be fine. I think that's fair enough. I mean, but like Mickey trying to rally some of the others, like, okay, now you, Speedy Gonzalez, are the sanitation worker. And you Speedy have to seems go, like a reasonable person to me. Yeah. I think Speedy would be okay. Yeah, I just randomly pulled him out of thin air, but you know, yeah, like, I, you look at like Daffy. I don't think you can control Daffy, and no, you know, Yosemite Sam, and pretty much the rest of the the gallery of of Looney Tunes. I don't think are gonna listen to you. I think Goofy would. Um, you know, Goofy, I think could be second in command. Yeah, he would. Although he's got in this world, he's got crimes. That he's been like who's who's with? the chief of the tune police, right? Like you obviously need tune police because there are bad tunes, right? 
like those gangster yeah. those gangster looney tune guys are you know what are their names you know like you know the guys like uh shut up shut up Herman. <laughs> hey boss yeah hey, i don't boss. shut up <laughs> yeah uh you know they're out there robbing banks and stuff so you're gonna need some tune cops and uh trying to think are there any famous tune cops i can't think of any no no i can't think of any either uh yeah. i can think well, I, I can think of like famous tune witches <laughs> okay oh yeah the the witch with the bugs cartoons are some of yeah, my yeah, favorite the i one, love that the stuff one, the bobby pins that fly out of her yeah she takes she, off and there's bobby pins floating in the air after she leaves anyhow good stuff anyhow okay i'll stop on the two elmer i think elmer's the police elmer's a good cop yeah that would be all right think, that would work i think Elmer elmer's would be the not police. in this movie is he no i didn't see him I didn't even I didn't even realize he might have been in the background somewhere. There's a lot of Easter eggs for people who want to come back and watch it again. Yeah, I saw I won't. Uh, be. I saw Wiley a Coyote and Roadrunner in one of the shots, and I saw Marvin Martian in one of the shots. Um, but yeah, I didn't I didn't notice Elmer, which is an interesting omission because he's one of the big players. I think. Yeah. So my other uh, my 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 last questions about this. I'm still not done because I'm just fascinated by it. Like I just <laughs> you know you don't want to anymore, but I'm going to keep I'm going. Done with Roger Rabbit. I'm going to keep going. So tunes have sex organs, right? Um, do <laughs> they go in there? They do because uh, baby. Herman, oh yeah, he says he's got a a baby penis. Yeah, he has he has baby penis, right? So that implies that, and he can sleep with humans, real world. Yeah, humans. Right, because he super implies that's why he's got toots there, you know. Yeah. Go get me a cigar toots or whatever she goes to get him, right? So can humans be impregnated by a tune? Or probably not. Can a tune be impregnated by a human? I imagine that uh, tune sperm has like a face and an attitude, <laughs> you know, much like the bullets from uh, Bob Oskin's gun. So I imagine that's what happens. So I don't know if they can interact with human eggs. <laughs> oh, that's the best. And we've lost Eric at this point. Is there- the image that puts in my mind is <laughs> so fantastic. Somebody needs to animate that, like the tune sperm trying to find the eggs. That's amazing. Uh, okay, so so then that means that okay, so let's just concede that a tune could not impregnate a human. Could a human impregnate a tune? Is the, the next question. I think that. Uh, well, so then you'd on the reverse side, the eggs would be. So here's what I think happens when a tune. Um, ejaculates into another tune. <laughs> the animated sperm find an animated egg, and they have a date, right? Right. And there's like, and there's a whole cartoon that happens there. The egg, and the egg has a wedding well, dress, and the the sperm puts on a little tuxedo and has flowers. Yes. Yes. Okay. And then there's like a, I don't know who would come in to be the person who does the ceremony, and then afterwards they have sex. And then there's another, I don't know. There's like a layer. It just, it's turtles all the way down. There's just. I think the only way it works is <laughs> tune to tune. Tune to tune. Okay. So, so Roger and Jessica could eventually have some sexy human rabbit hybrid children. Yeah. Some furries of some kind. Some, Probably some, that would look like bugs when he dresses up as a woman. Some creepy mutants. 
Uh, I don't know that it'd be creepy mutants. I think the Toon World can. I don't know that they can get pregnant. That's the other thing is like I don't because they're drawn. Maybe they just can't get pregnant. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe Patty Cake. Can they have sex? Yes. Maybe Patty Cake is as far as maybe. the two of them go because the, you can only uh, handle what you're drawn yeah. with. I don't know that Robert uh, Roger has genitalia. You know, maybe I don't that's know why that he's so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> he's trying to put all that energy somewhere. <laughs> so, um, our rating system that you've come up with is thumbs up, down. Thumbs in the middle, thumb slightly up, thumb slightly down, which is like a five-point system. Yeah. Um, for me, this is a firm thumbs down. Roger Rabbit ruins this film in what is otherwise an amazing achievement. Roger is so bad as the lead character that it ruins the film for me. And I don't plan on ever watching it again. I think that's a totally fair assessment. I think that I'm thumb slightly up. Not all the way up, slightly up, uh, mostly because of the technical achievement. Mostly because I think it's fascinating to look at and like really kind of like peer in close and try to see how they did certain things. Uh, so on on that level, I really appreciate it. And Hoskins, Lloyd, uh, Jessica, I think that's enough to kind of put it over the top into a slight thumbs up for me. Um, like you, I don't know if i'm ever gonna watch it again though like i think this might have been the big finale for roger rabbit for me like i don't think right. and there's no point in the movie where i'm like i want to pull my son in and be like check this out so like next week we're watching jurassic park and it's a movie where i'm like you like dinosaurs kid all right come here we're gonna watch jurassic park i'll pull a, you know and my son loves looney tunes but I have no desire to show him this hot garbage. And it has nothing to do with like the adult themes. It's just not good. And I don't want him to like it and then keep watching it over and over in my house. <laughs> like, I, I, I had the same awful. thing. Like, you know, I watch a lot of these movies with my kids. I watched this one after my kids went to bed. Part of it was the young one in Judge Doom. But the other part, Mike, my older daughter is nine. And Judge Doom would not scare her. And she was kind of like, are you going to watch this? And I, like, I was looking at the trailer and I was like, yeah. And she was like, are we going to watch it? I was like, nah, I don't think, like, I didn't like it when I was a kid. I don't think you would like it. You know, like, I just, I, I, it's not a kid's movie to me. I don't know. Yeah. It, well, it definitely is not uh, a kid's movie, which I think is maybe a little short-sighted, but apparently they made their money. So who cares? But I just, um, yeah, I. I was really surprised at how much I did not like it. Um, and it really only comes down to one thing. The only thing I dislike about this movie is Roger Rabbit. Which is a big ass I, thing. I, every, it's, uh, and it's the unfortunate part of it is it's the titular character. It is the part of the movie that you can't get away from. And it's just always happening. And it's he's a bad cartoon character. Like he would not, if this Roger Rabbit existed back in the 40s or whenever all these great cartoons were created, he would end up on the bin. Like, you wouldn't see him again. He'd be long forgotten because he's just not good cartoon. He just isn't entertaining. He's annoying. Nope, nope. I'd say we dip him, and I'm on Judge Doom's side. Dip his ass. Straight to the dip with Roger. Uh, yeah. On that note, we'll be back next week with uh, Jurassic Park. Thank 
Yes. A classic that we know oh. is going to be a there's classic. No, yeah. There's no way, because I, I, I've seen it recently. I've seen it in the last year or two or so. Yeah, me too. Like, I just, it's, it just, it's perfect. Yeah. I mean, it's not, but it's close. It's one of those that, and like, it, we like it so much, and so many people like it so much, we're going to be like, what are we going to talk about? You know, I, yeah, I, we're going to find something. I'm going to find something for us to talk about. But uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's going to be a love festival for sure. I yeah I, we're gonna be all over it. Um, so uh, if you want to get in touch with Eric, you can do so on Twitter at Eric underscore Hotter. You can check out his YouTube page, uh, which is Eric Hotter on YouTube. Don't forget to go to the Gaming Nexus where you can see his writing among others about video games. Uh, you can check out my other podcast, uh, the Movie Draft House, where we review movies in an angry and upset fashion. Uh, sometimes, sometimes we get good movies. Sometimes we disagree. And then sometimes we watch a scanner darkly, which is hot garbage. Um, <laughs> just oh, we recorded that last night. It was horrible. Oh, funny. Oh, uh, Lord. OK, uh, that's it. Next week's Jurassic Park. Get your popcorn ready, friends. I know you're going to go ahead and get the big projector out. Yes. Are you going to watch it with the kids? Do you think your your youngest can handle? I think killer. Dinosaurs? I think so. I've got four sets of. Th- uh, 3D glasses, so I think my wife and my two younger kids. Oh, that's right. Uh, we're gonna watch it in 3D. <laughs> I'm so jealous. It's <sighs> well, uh, and then after that, it's Schindler's List. So, yikes! I think it is. Yeah, I think so too. I'm gonna watch that on the big screen too, just because I've never seen it on the big screen. That that uh, movie I have only seen on VHS, and so I've I- only watched it once, and it has nothing to do with the quality of it. But we'll get into that later. Uh, We'll see you next week for Jurassic Park. Bye, y'all.